Well, good morning, First Baptist Church. Welcome. Uh, this is kind of awesome, isn't it? Turn around and take a look. This is pretty cool to see this place packed like this. It's, uh, it's exciting, especially given the last uh, little bit of time that we've had. Well, we welcome you that are here today in attendance and um, those of you that are worshiping with us from home. We welcome you to this. Um, the girls have worked hard to put together um, a special worship program this morning. Um, we're calling it Glory to God in the Highest. Um, together this morning, we're going to glorify God for the advent of His Son, who should or who shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And we have seen His glory, haven't we? We have seen it in our lives, and that's what we're here to worship. Uh, to praise God, glory to God in the highest. A couple of quick things, announcements. Um, remember, we will go back to normal uh, services um, next Sunday, right? We'll be at 9 and 1030 again. Please don't show up at 930 and use that as your excuse. We know better, okay? So, um, but Christmas Eve service, 430 and 6 o'clock. Um, traditionally, people come to the 4.30 more than they do the 6. And so we're asking if you can to help us with seating in the 4.30, if it's possible, if you would join us at the 6 o'clock service, uh, just to leave some extra space in that 4.30 that gets super packed. So 4.30 and 6, really, I'm going to be honest, we're, we'll be excited to see you at either one of them. So it doesn't really matter, but, but it would help us if you could come to that later service. Okay, call to confession this morning. Psalm 32, verses 1 to 5. David said this, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Let's go to the Lord now together as a congregation. Make sure that your heart is right with God as we enter into this time of worship uh, for that great Advent 2,000 years ago. Please bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you that you are faithful to forgive us our sins when we confess to you. Father, it's so exciting to see our congregation together in one service. Father, we are so blessed to be here together to confess our sins before you together and to worship you together. God, we pray that you would be honored this morning. God, that truly as we say the words, glory to God in the highest, that our hearts truly mean them, that our minds are committed to them. And Father, most importantly, that you are honored and glorified by them. Father, be praised by us as a congregation this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. And now if you'd please stand for the call to worship. The call to worship. 
You've heard it already out of Luke 2 this morning. Luke 2, verse 13. And suddenly there was, an, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with, with whom he is well pleased. I was a little girl when I first heard of Messiah, a king to come for us. I grew up hoping and praying for his coming. It didn't happen. Instead, we got Rome. Rome, with their obsession over money and power and control. Rome, with their false gods, and many laws. Rome meant oppression for us. Honestly, my faith in Messiah grew dim. My husband and I, we run an inn in Bethlehem. If the scripture is to be believed, Messiah will come from the line of King David. I feel a lot like my ancestors in Egypt hundreds of years ago, crying out for a deliverer. Remember, we have Rome, but oh, we need the Messiah. Rome has instituted a new law. This time, everybody has to be counted, and so people are coming from all over to Bethlehem to be counted. Our inn is exceedingly busy. Um, washing, cooking, cleaning, it's all we can do to keep up. Everybody is so dirty having traveled so far. We're tired. But tonight felt different. I mean, even the city of Bethlehem had kind of a glow over it. A young couple knocked on our door. She, uh, she had this protruding belly. Her husband was supporting her with his arm. I, I knew a baby was coming, and it was coming soon. But we, we have no room. Nobody in Bethlehem has room. You know, it, this is not my fault. <laughs> it's not my job, right? They should have planned ahead, frankly. <laughs> they should have come sooner. Um, but I couldn't let this go. Talk to my husband. I took her to the one place where we had a little bit of space. It was, it's the stable. Our son had just cleaned it this afternoon, but it's no place for a woman and child. It's no place for a baby. I couldn't let this thing go. I couldn't shake the feeling. I went back to our place. I grabbed all the linens I could spare. She had to have something, anything. You know, I went back and thought, I remember being that young. I remember being full of hope. I remember believing in a Messiah. But enough of that. I, I took the linens. I went back to the stable, 
I, I could hear the cattle ba uh, bawling. As soon as I hit that door, oh, the smell hit me. But then I heard it, the sweetest sound, a new baby. I heard her husband say, he's here, my love. He's healthy and he's whole. Yeshua. We'll call him Jesus, what the angels told us to call him. Yeshua? Angels? Really? I, I shoved that to the back of my mind. I went in with the linens. I helped clean up this baby, clean up mom. The baby quieted. It was great. But you know what? I had other people to help. So I handed this sweet bundle off to its mom, and I headed out the door. Here they came. Seriously? Shepherds? Shepherds? They're smelly. They're dirty. They have no business near a baby. But one fell to his knees. And he said, Emmanuel. And he began to worship. All the other shepherds started to worship with him. Could it be this baby is Messiah? I listened to them tell the story of angels coming to them and telling that our king is born. I could do nothing but fall to my knees and join the worship. My hope restored. Our king come in my stable. I live in the small city of Jerusalem with my father and my mother. My father works with metals and my mother tries to cook food for everyone who lives within the palace. Life at the palace is extremely busy. I try to help my mother the best I can. One day, several magi appeared at the palace. There was such a flurry in the kitchen as my mother had lots of food to prepare for their arrival. My mother said the magi had very strange appetites since they came from all sorts of different places. She said it was gonna be a lot of work to feed them. We heard throughout the palace that these magi were following a new bright star in the eastern sky and were saying that it must be the sign of a new king. King Herod was said to be so excited that he wanted these magi to go seek out this new king and let him know too so that he could go meet him. One afternoon, I decided to meet these magi. I walked right up to one of them and introduced myself. And you know what? Turns out they're pretty nice. One of them had a daughter back home who is just my age. And, and he was happy to answer all of my questions. I saw they had several packs on their camels and I asked what they were carrying. They explained that these were gifts they would be bringing to the new king. One of them motioned me over to his camel. He opened up one of the packs in, in the side and let me peek in. Inside I saw shiny gold nuggets. He took one out and let me hold it. 
It glimmered in the sunlight. I understood the importance of what was in my hand. My father worked with metals, after all. He had taken me once to the palace and shown me where he had helped form the heads of ram, the golden to the heads of rams and oxen. What a precious gift for a mighty king. He also showed me what the other camels were carrying. I looked inside the packs and I was puzzled at what I saw. They were leaves tied together with twine and a jar filled with strong, sweet-scented oil. I wondered what kind of gifts these would be for a king and why. The magi explained that the bundles of leaves were frankincense and it was used at the temple of where the God of Israel worshipped. He said it was for a priestly ruler, one who had a close connection with the God of his people. He, he also explained that the oil in the jar was myrrh and that it was expensive oil used for anointing kings and placing on burial cloth. I thought it was strange that they would give a new king a gift for burial cloths. My father was a shepherd and he's training me to take over the flock one day. I can't wait to carry my own staff and to spend nights under the stars, but not yet. Mother asked me to bring him food tonight. I had just spotted the sheep when the sky burned bright in the distance. I heard something about a baby lying in a manger and that he was the Messiah. Then there were a lot of angels, I guess. That's what they were. The voices boomed off the hills, covering the bleeding of the sheep. I was frightened. I covered my ears and hugged my dog, but I couldn't help shouting and singing, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I've known about the God of Abraham since I was a baby, but this was something different. I wondered, could this baby be the Messiah? My teacher says the scriptures foretold. When they finished speaking and the glow of their light faded, Father and the other shepherds started packing their sacks to leave for Bethlehem. How can a baby be the answer to all of my prayers? My brother is a baby and he can't do anything special. <laughs> I quietly followed them into the night to a stable and peered through the door. I could hear the shuffle of hay and the clop of hoofs on the orson floor. The room smelled like livestock. Why would the Messiah be here? And then I heard a soft cry and saw a young girl leaning over him. She cradled him in her arms, and I saw him, this baby, wrapped in cloth. As peaceful face, she whispered softly and called him by his name, Jesus. My knees buckled as I knelt at the door. He's here, the one we've waited and prayed for, the one who will change everything. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. This baby Jesus is special. He's the Messiah, my King. So it was a cold night, uh, coldest of the year, they say, and they were right. It was a kind of cold that just gets right down into your bones. It's nights like these that makes it difficult to be a shepherd. It's not a great job, and uh, none of us like it. We get 
treated bad by our bosses, and we take care of the, the dumbest animals on the planet. They're, they're so stupid, they fall into holes that a blind man could see, and we've got to get them out. Well, anyway, the, the worst part is how we're treated by people. Uh, they, they, they treat us like scum. And we go to town, people shy away from us, and we can't help but we smell like sheep. We're with them all the time. But that's just how it is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not like I wanted this job. It's just the one I got, and it's better than nothing. But anyway, like I said, we were sitting around the fire, and it was cold, and I was trying to go to sleep. And all of a sudden, this thing happened, this bright light, this, it's just out of nowhere. And, and an angel appeared, and I, I think we all knew it was an angel immediately. And, and I want to get this right when I tell you what the angel said. He said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. For today in the city of David is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is your Messiah. And this will be a sign to you that you will find this baby wrapped in claws lying in a manger. And then suddenly it happened. There was a great number of angels, so many you couldn't count them all. It was, it was so incredible, it's indescribable what we experienced. And, and they said, um, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those who dwell with him and just as quickly as they came it was dark well it took us you know at least a minute for to get our night vision back or to get rid of the spots in our eyes and we thought we have got to go to Bethlehem and see this thing that is that has happened so we did and it and it took a little while we had to go from stable to stable because it was just how it was. And, and eventually we went into one and we found this really young girl. And, and, and a guy was there with her, turns out to be her husband, we learned later on. And, and there, there we looked and in this manger was this baby wrapped in, in, in cloth. And the interesting thing was as, we, as our eyes met, the, the other shepherds and myself and, and this young girl and her husband, we, we just knew um, something was special. Not a word was said. So they invited us to go over and look at the baby, and which I did. I don't know much about babies, but didn't want to wake him up. But I looked in there, and when I looked at him, I was so overwhelmed because I realized that he was the Messiah, my king. I fell on my knees, and I worshiped him. It all began when the angel appeared. He told me that I had found favor with God and that I was going to conceive and give birth to a son that was to be named Jesus. The angel said that he would be great and called the son of the most high, that the Lord God would give him the throne of David, that he would reign over Jacob's descendants forever and that his kingdom would never end. I was a bit confused as to how this would happen since I was still a virgin. The angel must have known that I would ask about this, and he said that the power of the Most High would overshadow me, and for that reason, Jesus would be called the Son of God. At first, I was filled with great fear that Joseph would break off the engagement. However, I trusted that the Lord would take care of me. 
After the angel had left, I immediately began to pack my bags and leave for Judea to visit my cousin Elizabeth, who was also pregnant. I was both excited and frightened to share the extraordinary news with her. As Joseph and I had not yet married, I was completely unprepared to hear her response. When she greeted me, she said, blessed are you among women and blessed is this child you bear. She said that when she heard my voice, her baby leaped for joy in her belly. I was also, I was filled with unspeakable joy. I couldn't help but praise my God with these words. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. At the time I was to give birth, Rome called for a census. Joseph told me that we'd have to travel to Bethlehem. On the journey, I began, began to feel initial birth pains. At first, I wasn't sure if it was contractions or just that my donkey wasn't very steady on its feet. As we arrived in Bethlehem, the contractions were stronger and the baby was on his way. No one had any room for us, even though I was clearly in labor. One innkeeper took pity on us and said he'd do us a favor by letting us stay in his stable. I didn't want my baby to be born in a cold, wet building surrounded by animals. Yet, I knew that any shelter was better than no shelter at all. After experiencing what I thought was hours of pain, my baby boy was finally born. I rocked him to sleep. I looked down at his sweet face. I was overwhelmed at the thought of raising the Son of God, the Messiah. And yet I felt, I felt peace knowing that this precious boy would one day save the world. Why did this happen to me? Ask anyone in town, they'll tell you I'm a good man. I work hard running my family's carpentry business, and I frequently go to worship at the synagogue. Everything was going great until I found out that Mary was pregnant. It just didn't make sense. When she shared her unbelievable story about an angel and the Messiah and how we were a part of God's great plan, I would have thought she was crazy, but she was so earnest and sincere, it sounded like she might be telling the truth. Now I know the laws of Moses. A woman who commits adultery is to be publicly stoned to death for the shame she has brought on her family. But I don't want to see that happen to her. Her family would suffer enough because of this. So I was going to divorce her quietly until an angel came to me in a dream. The angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save 
his people from their sins. All this has taken place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When I awoke, I sat there in shock. The angel confirmed everything Mary had told me was true, that this baby was indeed the Messiah, and yet he would be my son. How does one raise the Son of God? I am but a simple carpenter, and yet God entrusts to me the Messiah of his people. Being a parent sounds overwhelming as it is, but parenting the Messiah? I will trust the Lord. I will trust the God of my people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Glory be to God in the highest. So let's go back. Let's go back about 2,000 years. If we were to look at the headlines in the Roman newspapers, if they had headlines in Roman newspapers, you'd see things like, King Artaxas is dead. There's a new plague coming up on the horizon. The Athens students are protesting. Again. <laughs> Expect tax hikes to come. And there's been sightings of unidentified beings flying around in this small region of Judea. To be honest, the headlines that you would see in the newspapers back in the time of Rome are not so different than the news lines and the headlines you'd see in our papers today. There's still sickness in the world. There's still poverty in the world. Unexplained things still happen in the world. People had no purpose, no goals, no aim. They were just doing things out of habit, the way they'd always been done. Men had created a world that God had never desired. At the same time, if we were to go back to this Roman Empire at the time of Christ, it would be a time called the Pax Romana. It was a 200-year period of peace that was going on in the world. And even though God's people were in their homeland, there was still the issue of Roman culture being put down upon them. There were still heavy taxes. There were armies of mercenaries stationed in every land. There was the Roman culture and values. There was the gladiatorial games. There was slavery, and there was misery. See, the world was a reflection of what was going on inside of men. But then it happened. One night, these beings brightly lit, this whole host of angels appeared in the sky to this group of shepherds who were absolutely terrified. And they were saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among people with whom he is pleased. Something was going on in two different worlds in this passage. We've got what's going on in heaven. The angels were saying, glory be to God in the highest, that is to say, the Father in heaven. They wanted no glory for themselves, even though they were brightly lit, even though they were flying, they say the glory belongs to God in heaven, saying every good thing going on, all the amazement in this moment, all belongs to our Father in heaven. The glory shining around them was coming from the Father in heaven. All glory belonged to him. But then something was going on in a different world. They were saying peace in this world on earth. That is to say something called shalom would have been the word that the Hebrews thought of when it came to peace. 
The idea of shalom was all the pieces coming together in a sense of harmony. The shepherds would say they had shalom when there were no sheep missing among the tents. Shalom is like all the pieces of a plane coming together to make the plane fly. And we have this in our own lives when our relationships are going well. When things generally are coming together as they're supposed to in harmony, but it rarely works that way. We lose shalom in our lives whenever relationships break down, whenever death comes. Christ brought the possibility, though, of shalom. It could be restored. It could be brought back. Because through him, we would be able to love and forgive and live, like it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. As God's people live in peace and as God's people live in shalom, we reflect the glory of God in the highest. Well, would you pray with me here real quick? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a time that we can come together as a congregation and glorify and honor you for the great gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent to save those that would receive him. God, thank you for all that you've done for us. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.